0: Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Dr. Cooney Beasley, the founder and CEO of Beasley College Prep. Dr. Cooney, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Wesley, it's great. Great being here.
0: Absolutely. And before we get started, would you mind letting the people know where they can find you on the internet, whether it's your um, website or social media pages?
1: Yeah, just go to Beasley College Prep, B-E-A-S-L-E-Y, BeasleyCollegePrep.com. That's my website.
0: Awesome. So let's just start from the top and talk a little bit about Um, You know, where you're from and where you grew up.
1: Well, uh, I'm from a military family. My father was in the military. My mother is actually Japanese and um, uh, married my mother in Japan. And then we came to the United States and uh, I spent most of my life in, uh, of all places, Wichita Falls, Texas, and um, attended uh, high school at the Marine Military Academy in Harlingen, Texas, where I am now. And uh, went to college, uh, Fort Worth, served in the army, got out had some corporate jobs, uh, went into education and uh, was a college professor for 16 years and then established my own school. And I actually built 22 college prep academies across the country from Springfield, Massachusetts to Hot Springs, Arkansas to Palm Springs, California. And then uh, we downsized uh, about 12 years ago and we just went strictly with college prep. We still maintain an online college prep academy for homeschoolers, but everything else we're focused on getting kids into college, preparing them, packaging them and positioning them for college success and providing them options, choices and opportunities so that they don't have to go to the poorhouse to go to college.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, this is a very interesting topic. I think you're the first person on the podcast to, um, you know, talk about college prep and, and how to prepare for it, how to plan for it and how to pay for it. So this is, I'm excited to, uh, you know, learn more about this topic. Um, You know but i want to ask what is beasley college prep
1: well what we do again we our our mission is to prepare uh, package and position our kids for college success we have a preparation process uh, all the way from helping them with their grades to get the things done early on uh, and uh, get their test prep started uh, packaging them you know again the grades their experiences uh, their uh, recognitions Uh, getting them so that you know what we tell our graduates is that we want you to graduate walking across the stage looking like a latin american dictator you've got so many awards and medals Um, and then uh, we have to position the students by selecting the right colleges to target we primary our primary means is people come to us if they want to get into an ivy league we know how to package them for an ivy league they want to go to a military academy west point annapolis air force academy we know how to package them they want to go to a top tier school, a Vanderbilt or a Stanford, or if they want to look for scholarships. The vast majority of people come to us because they're looking for a way to pay for college. Uh, college today, uh, a college education for the first kid right now is probably going to be the largest single investment for most families. And most of the people out there who call themselves college something, college planner or whatever, they really don't know what's going on. They're, they're going to set you up for loans or get you to refinance your house or get into your retirement. And, you know, and you've got all that. You've got to sacrifice all that for the first kid. What are you going to do for the second kid? I mean, unless you have a second house. So uh, we show them that there are other ways to pay for college. We're batting about 96 percent uh, getting college fully paid for without encumbering huge debt. I mean, I went to college 22 years. I have two doctoral degrees. I paid for one semester. Uh, my wife, when I met her, it was a high school dropout. 2014, she graduated from Harvard with honors. My total cost of Harvard was $22,000. I put her two daughters and her through college for $30,000. It's less than the cost to go to college one year now. Uh, and there's just ways of doing it. And I've helped. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had students in, in, in the last several years get over a million dollars in college funding offers. And these are when I say funding, it's scholarships, grants, uh, all kinds of ways that you don't have to pay these back. These are not loans
0: absolutely Now that's incredible man those are some incredible accomplishments what was the initial spark that got you interested in you know helping future generations prepare for college and get get make it into college without having to break the bank and you know refinance their homes or mortgage or you know whatever the case may be
1: well it started out when i was in the army i was tasked as an education officer to find ways for soldiers to get college credit and so i became an expert in how to get Alternate means of college credit for correspondence courses and testing, CLEP test, Dante's test, things like that. And then later on, when my kids came along, I had to figure out a way to get them in college. I didn't have a bunch of money laying around. So first daughter went to college. Uh, I learned everything that I needed to know about college funding to get her into college. She got a a combination of of scholarships. Uh, In fact, when she went to college at the end of the first semester, the college sent us a check for fifteen hundred dollars because that was what was left over.
0: That's incredible.
1: So they paid us $1,500 to send her to college. It was a private school, too.
0: That's incredible. So, you know, when you or when, um, you know, these college days kids come to you and, and they're looking to get scholarships or they're, they're preparing to go to school, what tips or, um, you know, what advice do you give them? What what direction do you point them in to get them prepared for that next level of education?
1: First thing we do, say, the best time to start was before. The next best time to start is now. The biggest problem we encounter with people is they start too late. You have you just run out of time. You can't pursue the opportunities because you're starting too late. I mean, people come to us senior year. Now, the, depending on what their stats are, so there are some things we can do for them. But a lot of times by the senior year, it's too late. I mean, right, right now, uh, school has basically just started the senior year. And most of my seniors have already got their applications in. So trying to do something your senior year, it's too late. Uh, We start kids as early as the sixth grade. Um, But uh, our primary soft spot is between the freshman and sophomore year. We have enough time to do what we need to do. to get their scores up, get their grades up, get them uh, recognized and get their volunteer hours in the community service and activities and build that portfolio so that uh, when they come time, when it's the senior year, they're ready to go at the beginning of the senior year because you pretty much are going to go to college with what you have at the end of your junior year. You're going to try to pull a Hail Mary your senior year. It doesn't happen. You, you cannot go back and change all those uh, B's and C's to A's your senior year. Uh, you've got to get your test scores. And, I, and I, <laughs> One of the biggest myths right now is that test scores don't matter. Uh, just because a college is test optional doesn't mean that test scores don't matter. The common data set, which is the data that the colleges turn in every year, okay. the common data set is that if your test score is within the middle 50% of the students that they normally accept, if you if you got a test score in that range, you're half again as likely to be admitted than the student who didn't send in test scores. Wow. And this, that, you know, that, that's the statistics. That's what the, 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 you know, and people, you know, they, they just kind of say, well, I don't have to send my test scores in. Well, the test scores separate the rock stars from the groupies. And, um, and what has happened is this the test optional has been a bonanza for admissions departments because you have almost double the number of people going into competitive, applying to competitive colleges on a wing and a prayer think they're going to do it without test scores. So that's double the number of people coming in. That's why the admissions rates are going down. Uh, because you got more people applying, and in some colleges, I had one college. Their uh, increase in revenue from applications was almost seven million dollars. It was a it was a, a cash cow for them, for you know, because a lot of people were applying on a wing and a prayer.
0: When I was um growing up, my mom would tell me to apply for scholarships, but I wasn't taking it as serious or as seriously as I should have. But, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, that was a uh, that's a great opportunity and a great avenue mm-hmm. for people to to get the chance to go to school without and not have to pay money back or not have to be in a lot of student loan debt. You know, but I want to ask how how can someone earn scholarships regardless of family income? OK, you have five
1: sources of money for college. We actually use the term money M.O.N.E.Y. as the acronym. Number one is merit that's academic athletic activities affiliation okay and those don't have to be paid back people think oh I make too much money Uh, no there's no such thing as make too much money to get college funding that is a myth that myth does not exist every American citizen legal resident in the United States is entitled to some form of government college aid everybody okay well, a lot of people just brush it off saying I make too much money. That's not the case. I don't think I make too much money. And when I had my wife and two daughters in college, my college bill was $72,000 a year. I qualified for over $30,000 of, of need-based aid. Okay, But we get back to merit aid. And there's, there's all kinds of merit aid out there. Some colleges, they have automatic scholarships that if you meet the metrics, you have the right test score. You have the right uh, GPA. Uh, the University of Alabama. If you have a 32 ACT and a 3.5, you get an automatic $112,000 scholarship, automatic, okay, just on your application. University of Kentucky has something very similar. So there are schools out there that just on your metrics alone, your your test scores, your GPA, your class rank, just on your test scores alone, you would qualify for scholarships, okay? So the other thing is opportunity money. Now there's plenty of money out there. Opportunity money can be uh, your employer supporting your your college, getting an ROTC scholarship, which is by the way the best scholarship you can get because it's portable. Okay, you can go mm-hmm. to just about any school. Okay, uh, work study. There's things that you know that you have to do something and you get the opportunity. It has nothing to do with your income. Then there's in need based. Okay, need based doesn't mean needy. It means the difference between what they expect you to pay. And what college costs whatever that gap is that's the need we qualified for over thirty thousand dollars of need-based aid okay next is what's called entitlement money based on your state or whatever entitlement can be being in district or out of district for a community college or in state or out of state you have an entitlement money you also have entitlement money if you're in a particular situation if you were a foster child or you're hearing impaired or blind uh there's also gi bill and there's other types of entitlements like in texas you know, I was a veteran. We have a, in Texas, we have a thing called the Hazelwood Act. If you if you entered from Texas, come back to Texas after your military service, you exhaust your GI Bill. According to the Hazelwood Act, uh, I can go to state schools for free. So can my wife and so can all, all my kids. OK, and that's how I got the two daughters through college because we use the Hazelwood Act, put them through college. Uh, and then there's your own money. Every college will accept your credit card, your check, whatever. OK, but we want to minimize that. We're going to minimize that as much as possible. Uh, so you're out of pocket. So there's plenty of ways to get money if your student can qualify to get the scholarships or to get the funding. You don't necessarily have to be a scholar. There's ways of getting funding that have nothing to do with your academics, but there's just ways of getting money. Most people don't know. I want to say uh, of the people that I know in this country that's in this business, there's probably no more than 200 people who are really professionals about this. Most of the people that are so call themselves college something, they sell insurance or financial instruments, okay? That's, and their job is to try to sell you an insurance policy that gains some sort of cash background or they try to get you to refinance your home. And, or we have people who we call loan arrangers. All they do is set you up for loans. And uh, that's – I'm going to I'm gonna give you a horror story. Uh, I, my office was in a, a building, and on the same floor – we had two of these loan arrangers and I was holding a conference in the, in the conference room and somebody who was supposed to meet the loan arranger walked into my conference. and I was going through all the scholarships and the loan arranger came in and got him out of my, my meeting. And then after he met with the loan arranger, he came back and he says, I was listening to you and you're talking about my daughter could get scholarships. He's saying I have to take loans. And so within a week, we had his daughter turned around. She got a full scholarship to Alabama and a full scholarship to one of the University of Texas campuses. And this guy had no idea that these things were available. Most of them don't. Most of the high school counselors they don't they don't know this. Uh, we we call the people who contend to be college experts. We we refer to them as ambulance drivers. They know about <laughs> as much about medicine as an ambulance driver. They know how to get to the hospital. They know you know to keep this patient stabilized. That's about it. But they're not going to do surgery. We do the surgery. Okay, that's what we do. We can delve deep. We can get people into the Ivy Leagues, if, you know, of course, we don't, you don't just come to me and say, get my kid in the Ivy League. No, if the kid is prepared, packaged, positioned to go to Ivy League, we know how to do that. or go to a service academy. And we've gotten homeschoolers into the Ivy League and homeschoolers into West Point. Okay. So, you know, I put that up and I said, you know, if you, if I can get a homeschooler into West Point, that means that we did something right. We know how to do it.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, and there's a lot of talk, Today and in the news and the media just about um, the increase in cost of college and and college just being extremely expensive, Um, you know, and and certain things being predatory about college, like as far as the loans and and Mm -hmm. borrowing and things like that. But I wanted to get your perspective and ask you, you know, um, why do you believe college costs so much today?
1: Well, because they can take the loans out, just basic economics 101. If you make easy money available, it creates inflation within that sector, and that's what's happened. Because you can take a loan; the, the government will allow an 18-year-old to borrow half a million dollars to go to college. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, as long as the government is willing to pay that, and the kid is willing to take out the loan, the college is going to rise. I mean, I had a, a fundraiser from a college guy come and visit me in my office because I, I had stopped sending in my uh, donation. And I said, you guys have raised your tuition 45% in the last three years. Why did you do that? He looked at me and said, because we can. And that's the case. I mean, you have these, it's really strange. I was listening, I was watching, I think it was the University of West Virginia, having to cut out its language departments because they, they can't afford it. But yet they can afford $3 million for their administrative staff. They can afford millions of dollars for their football field, okay? But they're getting rid of these language departments and, you know, a college can afford just about anything they want to afford. Um, they, you know, but, you know, they make a lot of money. They, they keep uh, increasing the, uh, the cost of going to college and it's way it's way out of whack. It's, it's it's increased about three times the rate of inflation.
0: Are there any low cost colleges still left?
1: Oh, yeah, there's a lot of low cost. In fact, I have a list of what I call my secret hidden colleges. Okay, let me let me let me let me let me give you a couple. Okay, College of the Ozarks, you get in, Mm. it's free. Wow. Okay, Webb Institute, it's uh, arguably the most exclusive college in the country because they only take 28 students a year. You major in naval architecture and marine engineering, and if you get in, it's free. Barclay College in Kansas, it's a Christian college. If you get in, it's free. Okay, you got a lot of low cost college, Delta State, Mississippi, no, no out of state tuition and out of pocket. uh, You're talking maybe twenty one thousand a year. Uh, Minot State, very similar. Midwestern state in Wichita Falls, Texas, where I came from. Okay, seventh least expensive college in the country. It's out of state tuition is lower than in state tuition in 38 states. There's plenty of colleges that are out there that are low cost. I mean, I use an analogy here. A little story I tell when I lived in the Dallas area up up in the north of Dallas is Collin County. They have Collin County Community College. Now, if you were to take U.S. history there, it's going to cost you about two hundred dollars. You go further south to Richardson to the University of Texas at Dallas, it's going to run you about twenty five hundred dollars to take U.S. history. OK. And the funny thing about Dallas. OK. University of Texas at Dallas isn't in Dallas. University of Dallas isn't in Dallas. And the Dallas Cowboys are not in Dallas. OK. Right. <laughs> so anyway, when you go further down to Southern Methodist University, that's going to cost you six thousand dollars, that U.S. history course. OK. Now, the last time I looked, Columbus still left in 1492 and George Washington was still the first president. What's the difference? You're paying for the privilege of paying for the privilege. It's, it's cheaper. Now, if you really wanted to pay out of your pocket, go to community college for two years and transfer to SMU. So get it at about half price. But there are ways of being able to get you know, money for transfer. I had one of my daughters transferred to Texas Tech and junior college uh, on the presidential scholarship. My wife transferred from Collin County Community College to Harvard on a full scholarship. Now there's going to be people say, oh, Harvard doesn't give scholarships. Yes, Harvard does. My, my wife qualified for the Phi Theta Kappa scholarship. I paid $596 for first semester at Harvard. Okay. There are ways of doing this. There are ways of going to colleges where you can qualify for need-based aid because you have federal need-based aid. You have state need-based aid. You have institutional need-based aid. If your income is below $80,000 and you get admitted to Harvard, uh, they'll pick up everything. Okay. is very similar. Uh, Vanderbilt, Rice, uh, Princeton. I had a student go to Princeton. His out-of-pocket was about $4,000 a year.
0: Man, this, there's is, just ways incredible. of
1: understanding this, you know, right. and 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 again, most people don't know. And particularly your high school counselors, they 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 really don't have any. There's, it's not their job to know. It's their job to get the kids out in, in May. Okay, so they, they generally don't know.
0: You know, like a another popular um, <clears throat> headline, and I guess it's kind of phasing phasing out or, or dying out now. But for a while, people were saying, uh, you know, like social media influencers were saying like, you don't need to go to college. You could be an entrepreneur. You can kind of do it on your own. Um, you know, it, it, I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. What are your thoughts about like the validity of a college degree, um, or a college diploma today?
1: Well, it depends on what field you're going into. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 adhere to Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. He's got the micro.com. I've sent a lot of students to get his grant program. Um, uh, about 20% of my clientele, I end up saying, you probably don't need to go to college. Uh, you, you need to, you know, get into one of the skill fields. I mean, you, your average plumber makes more money than your average family practice doctor does. You know, uh, the skills that are, I mean, I sent I, my, my, my uh, nephews and stuff. Uh, and in fact, that within my family, I have girl, boy, boy, girl. Both girls got full scholarships to college. I sent both boys into the army. So, there's just different, you know, it, it, there's there's nothing perfect about a college degree. I mean, and, and I, I give this analogy to a lot of people. OK, my bachelor's degree is in criminal justice. I've never busted anybody. I've never written a parking ticket. And it used to be hanging on my wall. I'm moving right now. So it used to be hanging <laughs> on my wall here. OK, uh, I did get a master's in business administration and I did that in 50 weeks, some sort of record back in those days. Um and did it going to school at night while I was in the army because I was transitioning in the civilian world. I figured I needed an MBA. Uh, but the odd thing was, the two corporate jobs I had, they hired me for what I did in the army, not because I had an MBA. And then uh, my first doctorate is in Greek and Hebrew. Mm. Okay. Now nobody's asked me to be their rabbi. Okay. <laughs> and my second doctorate <laughs> is in urban and public administration. Nobody's asked me to be their mayor. So academically, I'm a failure. 22 years of college down the drain. Okay. But I did manage to go to college 22 years and only pay for one semester. That's my claim to fame because I figured out how to do it. And Mm -hmm. I help other people do it.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, it just sounds like you. um, Like the the main one of the main traits that most entrepreneurs have is just uh, being able to remain curious, you know, and and like having a continuous um, desire to learn, you know.
1: Yeah, and well, to understand saying,
0: things on a deeper level.
1: Yeah, well, see, here's 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 Dr. Beasley's first law of entrepreneurship. Because I used to help homeschool moms make $100,000 a year, okay, staying at home. First law of entrepreneurship, okay? Uh, everybody knows something, has something, or can do something other people are willing to pay for. Mm. Okay? You yeah, have five areas. I'm going to get into entrepreneurship a little bit because I do teach a course on entrepreneurship. Number one, what's your niche? OK, now, what need are you fulfilling? How are you going to get noticed? How are you going to name your business and how are you going to generate numbers? And that's that's your five components of, of entrepreneurship. I mean, I've been in all kinds of different businesses. And I mean, you know, considering I had 22 schools and I've taught people how to set up their own education programs, even taught people. Uh, I've, I've owned a modeling agency. I taught people how to uh, broker things. I mean, I because mean, uh, my, my master's is in business, but I did a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. And uh, 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 the, the biggest thing for entrepreneurs is to take action. Quit talking about it, taking action. Ninety nine percent of would be entrepreneurs talk about it and only one percent take action. That's why they're so, so successful and you don't need a college degree. I mean, look at some of the, our captains of industry, Bill Gates, okay, Zuckerberg, Stephen Jobs, they were, they were college dropouts because college was not going to add anything to them. They don't necessarily. I mean, my mother was was a Japanese war bride. She suffered the bombing of Tokyo during World War Two. Hmm. She did not read or write English and she died a millionaire. Wow. You know, she knew business and she handled it. She ran a beauty salon. She had property. She had a mobile home park. She uh, had diamonds and gold. And I mean, she died a millionaire. And um, it's, it, it, you have to have this mentality of saying, I'm going to go out and find people who need what I have, or I'm going to develop the knowledge and skills that it's going to be required for me to do something that people are willing to pay me for. Because when we, when we talk about what our program costs, we don't talk about the actual dollar figures. We talk about ROI. You go to our program and my ROI is between 500 and 1,000% on your money. Okay, if somebody gave you that kind of ROI, would you take that?
0: Absolutely. Okay, so
1: because, you know, because, you know, our our fee is X dollars. Now, if I'm going to save you one hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars for college, how much is that worth to you? Okay, and that's really what we come come out with is saying, you know, we can save you this much money. That's money that can be put someplace else that you don't need to give to the college. I making any sense here
0: absolutely absolutely and then those those uh those five five components of entrepreneurship man that was um uh, that, that was a gem right there you yeah, know that, yeah. that, was, that, was, that was some great information so just you know throughout the decades you've been involved in entrepreneurship and you know you started 22 college prep academies have you seen it evolve over over the times if if any you know because i believe like the more things change the more they stay the same so has entrepreneurship changed to you at all any
1: no well what you you know the the commodity has changed Mm -hmm. but what you're trying to do as a true entrepreneur is you're looking for the opportunity to take action you want to see where's that niche what's the need okay how do i get noticed about this all right so when you're when you're working that niche you got to figure you know what area can I be the absolute expert in and you have to have expertise now your expertise may be you know uh, fixing left tires on a car or something you know what's your expertise what what did, what what do you know what do you have what can you do that other people are willing to pay for okay I mean you know what we tell people like for example we we promoted a lot of activity during the summer one of the things I tell them is if you don't work this summer, you're going to work for somebody who did. OK, you, 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 you've got to make sure that you're pursuing something constantly. You don't want to go into park. You don't want to uh, slow down. You want to continue to pursue. Always be in motion, looking for opportunities, seeking you know things that you can do. Um, and then when you get into certain niches. Uh, you want to be able to dominate that niche, not so much run everybody out of business, but you want to be the, the go to person. I have several college prep people who I would we call it second party. They can handle the common stuff, the big stuff they send to me. They bring me in. If somebody wants to go to West Point or something like that, they're really an experience help somebody that. So they'll bring me in and I'll help them get you know prepped up for West Point. Like, you know, we had uh, one go to West Point last year, one to the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, several of them getting ROTC scholarships. Uh, everybody that was in my senior group last year, every one of them got something for college it, that, that was going to significantly reduce their out-of-pocket. I mean, well below, you know, 10000 15000 a year.
0: How did you focus on developing your expertise? Um, you know, was it through a lot of reading and studying or was it through yeah. application? How, how did you develop your expertise in well, this? Well, specific- most of
1: it what- most of it was I would do the research and then I would find other people who did research. Like right now, I subscribe to about 12 organizations that provide me information that provide. You know, I don't have time to go to every college in the country and figure out what their scholarships are. But there is a group that does that. And I buy their information. I have people who research uh, uh, graduation rates or admission rates and things like that. I don't have time, to but I buy their information from them. And so I have about 12 sources that I go to and I get the information and I synthesize the information and package it so my clients can use it or I can use it on behalf of my clients so that I'm well informed. Um, And and again, most of the people who say they're college something, they have no idea about this. I mean, uh, um, one of the things that really really gets me is, uh, uh, you know, you would consider the Ivy League to be the elite colleges, would you not?
0: Correct okay
1: I don't want to embarrass you but can you name them I can name a few okay
0: go you got Princeton Yale Stanford no that's wrong go ahead um Brown Cornell uh Dartmouth and you're pretty good how many people get five I think that's all I know. (laughs) Okay.
1: A lot of people put Stanford in there. A lot of people may put Berkeley or Duke or whatever. Okay. Here's how we do it. Okay. Brown, Cornell, Columbia, Dartmouth, Harvard, Princeton, Penn, Yale. Mm. Okay. Now, what is the Ivy League? I'm not sure. Ivy League is an athletic association.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> it's an
1: athletic association. They play football. They play the Harvard Yale game. They play lacrosse. They play rowing right. against each other. They are an athletic associate. That's why Stanford couldn't be in the Ivy League. They wouldn't be able to go to bowl games. Wow. couldn't go in the Ivy League. They wouldn't be able to go to bowl games. Okay? It's an athletic association. Now, some people attribute that because there's a lot of high-profile colleges and they attribute that to being an elite group and uh, uh, colleges have to apply to get into that elite group. No. I mean, when you look at the top 10 colleges in the country, depending on which list you look at, you're going to find four Ivy Leagues in there. You're going to also find Duke and Berkeley and Stanford and uh, possibly Vanderbilt. Then you're going to find a couple of colleges you've never heard of in, on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, Bowdoin in Maine. You know? So when you and again, it depends on who makes the list and what criteria they use. And um, but, you know, all the Ivy League schools are very good school. I mean. I have to tell you, my wife got an incredible education at Harvard, okay? I sat in on her classes. I enjoyed her classes. Um, And she got an incredible education uh, and incredible value considering what little we paid for.
0: Um, Absolutely. But at
1: the the same time, you know, you don't have to go to an Ivy League. I mean, people put a lot – and I have to tell you, one of the first things I have to do is I have to deprogram parents and deprogram students because they think that somehow the esteem of the college – is, is a factor in long-term success, okay? And there's not one single study that proves that. In fact, the main study, the longitudinal study that took place in 1972, it's called the Kruger study, they took and they tracked people for 40 years. They took a group of people who had been admitted to Harvard they tracked those who went to Harvard and those who didn't go to Harvard. After 40 years, no significant difference in income, no significant difference in success, OK, and you got when you sit there and look at the Fortune 500 and the CEOs, most of them, they're not all from Ivy Leagues, most of them from other schools. And so, you know, this whole thing of thinking, you know, I've got to go to this school in order to do blah, blah, blah. Not necessarily the case. I mean, if you're looking to be a Supreme Court justice, it's probably a good idea to go to Harvard or Yale Law School. OK, if you're looking to be a career army person, it's probably a good idea to go to West Point. Uh, but beyond that. Uh, you know where you go to college, if you look at you know the success rates of college, the most prominent type of college that you're going to see on that list are your Maritime Academies. Merchant Marine Academy, mm-hmm. SUNY Maritime, California Maritime, Massachusetts Maritime. They're the high earners. I mean, I had a student graduate from the Merchant Marine Academy this year. That's a service academy, by the way, just like Annapolis and West Point, but it's one of the smaller service academies and it doesn't have a military obligation. He's going into the Merchant Marine. He's going to be on cargo ships. You know, civilian ships, and he's going in, starting out almost $200,000 a year, coming out of college. You know?
0: Now, that's crazy.
1: Well, Merchant (laughs) Marine Academy was rated number two for income 10 years after you graduate. MIT was number one, then Merchant Marine Academy. I mean, these are the statistics. This is the data. This is what the data tells us. Right. Okay, a lot of people still are, you know, up here in the dream world. We bring them down to the data and say, okay, you know, this is what the data tells us.
0: At this point in your career, how do you define success? Well, for me? Yes.
1: <laughs> I just turned 68, so success for me is getting out of bed. Uh, <laughs> no, what I, 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 I look at this very much like a football coach looks at it, okay? Uh, when my team was prepping for the state championship, I didn't score a single touchdown the whole season. You know that? My success is getting that kid across the goal line. That's my success. They get across the goal line. Whatever I need to do, get that kid trained so they can cross the goal line and score. That's success. If you get across the goal line and score enough, you're going to be very successful. You're going to win football games. You're going to be very successful, and you're going to get opportunities for college that other people who aren't doing the work are not going to get.
0: Now that's an incredible, I mean, that's an incredible way to look at it. It's like if you get across that goal line, if you score enough touchdowns, then the opportunities will come. And the Mm -hmm. same thing is true in, in, you know, everyday life or life after sports. Mm -hmm. If you score enough touchdowns, those opportunities will find you.
1: That's right. Just do the work. Pay attention, follow instructions, do the work.
0: Absolutely. Yo, shout out to my dad because my dad always tells me, you know, you just said, uh, you know, pay attention to do the work. My dad always tells me, like, just Listen. Even telling me that since I was a small child, you know, and I that's I, I take that advice with me, and it kind of reminded me of that when you said it. But you know, what does the future of Beasley College Prep look like to you?
1: Well, we're going to continue. We're we're evolving into being able to scale a little bit. Uh, we want to get into more group coaching with students because we're going to be scaling, and then we'll get into training coaches, training people to do this process and to set up uh, their own offices. We get licensed to use our products Is so we have a full test prep program we have a program on how to write your uh applications your essays we have all this on video in fact if you look behind me i'm packing up right now those are my dvds those are all of, those are all the programs i've developed um, them let's let's see let's, let's turn this way there we go those are all the programs i've developed uh that our students have access to you know money for college uh you know how to get into harvard things like that i've got a program on it so we're going to be uh, setting these programs up and we're going to begin to monetize them a little bit better uh i'm going to be spending probably a year uh doing what we call the walden pond adventure i'm gonna go and immerse myself get all these up to date get all of them recorded get them on paper uh and then begin to monetize them.
0: absolutely absolutely well dr cooney thank you so much for your time today thank you for the information that you shared this has been an extremely informative um, conversation for me. And I'm excited for the people to get the chance to listen to it as well. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Wesley. Thank you for having me.